0: This is the John Oakley show podcast
1: gathered around the table here at global news radio. First of all, ladies, first Carleen nation to my right, can you see her? No, I, it's not television. Carleen Nation, media strategist at One Nation PR in Toronto, former reporter and producer with CTV News. How are you doing, Carleen? I am
2: doing great, Peter. So great to see you. It's always great to see I you. Don't I don't get to see you that often. And you've moved back to Toronto.
1: I'm living in Toronto again. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I get to see you when we either do panels together or when I'm hosting the Oakley show. So it's great to be here with you. Thank you. And let's move uh, further on to Michael Giles. Michael Giles has been in government for 30 years Currently, Chief of Staff to Deputy Mayor Anna And how's Michael? Michael's very good. When you said August, I thought, it's only July. <laughs> 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 <You know>. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we got uh, David Sparrow, no bird jokes, please, President of Actra <laughs> National, the union representing performers across Canada, uh, and who ran in the
0: Toronto municipal election in 2014. David Sparrow, how are you? I'm fantastic. What a fabulous day for Cottage Country Traffic Radio. Right <laughs> well, you here. have to say that because I don't do the Oakley thing and I don't have the bells. There you it's go. It's good to be
1: with you, David. Look, there are a lot of things to talk about. Uh, The one I think that uh, catches my fancy most of all is uh, we've been talking about carbon tax, cap and trade back under the liberals. Then it was going to be nothing if Doug Ford had his way and then it was going to be appealed. Uh, If if Trudeau imposed a carbon tax on us, he did. We went to the Ontario court of appeal today. We got the ruling. The ruling was a split ruling, nonetheless split in favor of Trudeau. So we're going to continue having a carbon tax. However, we're getting late word that apparently there's going to be an appeal. Uh, uh, to the Supreme Court, if I am correct. So we're
2: going to continue this uh, this fight as far as Doug Ford is concerned. What do we think of this, Carleen? I wasn't surprised. It was Saskatchewan where they had a ruling also in support of the federal position on the carbon tax. Uh, was it Saskatchewan? I believe it I was. I believe it
1: was Saskatchewan.
2: Yeah, so now this is the second province where um, it's stating that it's constitutionally sound for the federal government to impose a carbon tax. So I I, I support uh, the government's position in terms of appealing it. I'm not optimistic that we're going to win this battle. Instead of fighting, So let me just ask so you a it, question it, though. It, it, Should we have stayed with winds cap and trade? No, instead of fighting this, just fight to change the federal government. I think that's the whole thing, because if Andrew Scheer gets in, that carbon tax goes by the wayside. So I think uh, the legal battle right now to push back against it and appeal it is all about uh, is all about going against the way the federal government imposed it, even though the provinces uh, imposed the carbon tax, even though the provinces opposed it. Um, I don't believe that they will win on an appeal.
1: So we, the only way to do it, as you have pointed out, is to change government. Do you yeah. agree with that, Michael Giles? Well,
3: absolutely. I mean, constitutionally, the whole argument was tenuous to begin with. We have a situation where the, the our constitution provides the federal government with the ability to tax directly or indirectly. Uh, that's a strong provision, and they also have the general spending power, which they can use for all sorts of things as well. So uh, these are some of the tools the province doesn't have unless they're ceded to uh, to provincial government. So it's no surprise in the ruling here. I think in some circles, some conservative circles, and, and some people may be surprised to hear this, this may be the kind of ruling, at least for them federally, the kind of ruling they may have wanted. Because uh, if the court had a ruled in favor of the, the province, and this was shut down and quashed, What happens to this issue for the next three or four months? So now we're going to have this move right back to where I think the conservatives would want it to be right now, and that's into the political realm.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see because this is going to unfold. It already has started to unfold in the federal election race that uh, Carlene has uh, noted. And... The federal election is in October, so we're talking three months. It's not a lot of time. I I have a feeling I know where uh, you sit on this, Mr. Sparrow, (laughs) but I
0: want you to enunciate. I I sit to the left on it, Peter. Um, (laughs) What a surprise. (laughs) I dress to the left, Dave Sparrow. I'm up ahead on the left. This is the way it goes. Um, But I'll tell you that uh, I I think the courts did get it right, um, although it was a split decision. I think that, uh, frankly, climate change takes time to be affected. Putting any kind of uh, methodology in place to uh, help mitigate or uh, e- um, evoke that change takes time, and we need to stay with something long enough to see what the results are. Trudeau's government might have it right; they might not. We, uh, Kathleen Wynne's government, might have had it right. The trouble is, if we keep changing uh, the way we're moving ahead on this, we're never going to find out the answer. And I'll tell you, I don't want my tax dollars spent appealing these things to to the courts. I'd, I'd rather um, have them address many of the other issues that this government is uh, is facing in terms well, of challenges well you're putting one thing forward that that makes sense to me and that is at least
1: get a baseline in other mm-hmm. words let's find out where we stand so that somebody can make a decision that it winds up being of enough long standing that we can uh, reference it to the baseline and have a measurement Maybe some kind of a yardstick
2: a bipartisan sort of approach to this whole thing would be better instead of each government coming up with their own plan, yes. But Trudeau came up with this carbon pricing method and says, well, it's going to be $20 a ton or 100 ton, but for it to be really effective, for the carbon tax to be effective in any way, shape, or form to change corporate behavior, they would have to put it up to $150 a ton. So the thing is, once, if by... A stroke of luck, he gets reelected, he's going to push up the cost, the price of the, uh, push oh, up he's what he said he will. He's going to, but he's going to push it up right up to $150 well, you dollars know a what, ton. Not to, and, not to
1: put too fine a point on it, and I'm going to go to Michael Giles on this. We didn't have to have it. I'm not saying I'm in favor of it, but there was a system here. It was put in place by the Liberals. It was cap and trade, and it was perfectly acceptable to Trudeau to leave it in place and not impose a carbon tax. But we didn't leave it in place. No, we didn't. And, uh, you know, the reality,
3: that that reality would have been gone anyway because the uh, with the electoral victory of the Conservatives in Ontario, that was going to be removed. I think the issue here is, you know, you have this, it, it's one of these, uh, political quandaries. You know, there was a recent poll I think they did where they interviewed thousands of Canadians and they asked them, you know, do you support action on carbon emissions and all? And they all answered yes. Everybody it was like eighty-six percent answered yes. Then they started saying, do you support a carbon tax? No. Do you support this? No. So we sort of get to that well, whole people thing. People don't where,
1: want to pay for anything.
3: Absolutely. And then of course, they one of the, the the buzzword question was, do you believe this is an international problem as opposed to just a Canadian? Everybody answers yes. Well, if you take a look at Andrew Shear's, uh, you know, uh, climate plan or his, his carbon tax plan or whatever you look, it's very similar to what the results of those polls were. So they're probably basing it on polling. There's really not a lot of depth to it. But again, you get this whole thing where it's push and pull all over the place, and it's become a highly politicized
1: issue. And until this federal election's over with, I don't think you're going to have a resolution. Well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears here, but I'm going to stay with the Ford government, because what we're seeing here, um, this is a result of uh, court action. But today we also heard, through a leaked report, whatever leaked means in, in the world we live in, uh, that was written having been authorized by Premier Ford in April by an MPP from York Centre. He's not a cabinet minister. His name is Roman Baber. And uh, he wrote a report on how the autism file was handled by this government, and it was roundly critical of the government that he sits in. So uh, I, I'll quote from uh, Mr. Baber. he said, and, and I'm quoting, at the request of the Premier's office, I authorized a report on the government's Ontario autism program, included, including a proposed plan for a needs-based approach. While the ministry wanted the autism panel to review my proposed plan, the ministry instead released my report in its entirety, going forward. In It is important to allow the autism panel and the ministry to complete their work. I am confident that Minister Smith will find the right formula for a needs-based Ontario autism plan. Minister Smith being Todd Smith, who now is responsible for that, which used to lie in the bailiwick of Lisa McLeod. Well, if you read further into the report, what... Mr. Baber is saying is we botched this thing big time, which a lot of people on the other side were saying they were doing at the time. And certainly the the people who have autistic kids said it. Uh, What do we think about this? Uh, I'll go to you, David Sparrow.
0: Well, I think, you know, we've uh, mentioned before that uh, perhaps the Ford government is challenged in terms of how it communicates things, how um, it rolls things out. And there's no question that the autism file kind of blew uh, blew back in their faces and, and uh, was a challenge for for families uh, with uh, children who, who have autism. Uh, they... Uh, said that they did lots of consultation, but the families claimed there wasn't enough consultation, etc. So I think that uh, you know whether this was leaked or not kind of refers perhaps to uh, Ford has uh, been saying that he is open to his cabinet sharing their thoughts and 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 being open, and so perhaps they're they're testing them on that level in terms of whether they botched this file completely. This is a really difficult file. I mean, it's a well, spectrum of diseases. I just had Stephen Del who's yeah. running
1: for the Liberal Party. You may have heard. It- Sitting out in the green room, uh, and he, you know, he roundly criticized the government, saying it doesn't know what it's doing on this file. And I and I said, you know what? You were a liberal, and the liberals didn't seem to know what they were doing on the autism file either. Mm-hmm. So really, you're between a rock and a hard place. But if you're a, if you're a parent of an autistic kid, what exactly do you have to expect? I'm I'm asking this question. I'll go to you, Michael Giles. The, is this the tip of an iceberg that says? The Ford people are getting the message and are turning things around so that they are not continually sticking um,
3: their foot in it. Well, the first thing I'd say is that uh, the last time we had a leak this big, Noah built himself a boat. So they're doing it on a Friday afternoon, <laughs> no and it's raining right government now. Coal. Coal. It's pouring right now. <laughs> the, it's, so out it comes on a late Friday afternoon of a long weekend, which is, you know, if you're going to release bad news, you can't have a better thing than after five o'clock on a fr- Friday of a long weekend. So, but the report itself is actually damn. When you read some of the stuff in here, you know, the the, the, the he, he reports that you know there was misinformation that a funding model that would leave families destitute. This is their own. Word And, you know, they're saying that the minister had said things that were unverified and likely inaccurate. So, yeah, I mean, I I think they had to get this report out because, quite frankly, they knew it would come out. Governments always leak. It's like a sieve. So everything came out. Um, Is this a turning point? It could well be. I mean, it could send a very, obviously sends a very clear signal within the government that, you know, this file was completely
1: botched. Way on uh, in on this quickly, Carleen, because I've got to take
3: a yes, break, but I want uh, to hear from you.
2: With uh, with uh, the uh, with Dean French being out of the way, I think this is indicating a reset. Uh, on the part of the Ford government. A reset in how they deal with their fellow uh, MPPs, a reset in how they're going to communicate things. And how better to do that than to put out something that, yes, may be a bit negative in terms of how it's presented, how it's presenting the Ford government. But I I think it's all about resetting the table and starting all over afresh, especially on a difficult file like this, that the uh, previous Kathleen Wynne government didn't get right either they were protesting that government as well so i think this is ultimately a good thing
1: okay carlene nation david sparrow michael giles our panelists on topics worthy of discussion and i'm peter sherman on global news radio 640 toronto
0: thanks for listening to the john oakley show podcast be sure to rate review and subscribe for free at apple
2: podcasts google podcasts and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio